1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. And thank you, Danny and Charlotte for having me here. What an extreme honor. I've known the Akins for years and years. And not that, you know, we met each other when we were like one year of age, of course, uh, but not really. I, I really wanna thank God for them. Uh, let, me, let me just tell you this. Uh, when you find a family, a couple, that all their children are loving God, being committed to the church and forwarding the Great Commission. You need to do everything you can to sit up, ask questions and learn. If you think pastoring a church is hard, nothing compared to parenting. It's the most difficult job in the world but it's also a wonderfully rewarding job that we have in life. So Danny and Charlotte, Gina and I love you and thank God for you. And so grateful for all that the Lord has done. I'm from Northwest Arkansas. Uh, That's in the Northwest part of the state of Arkansas. We're really close to Oklahoma. We're really close to Missouri, but we're not there. We're in the state of Arkansas. And right up in that little Northwest corner, We're the world headquarters of Walmart. Have you ever heard of Walmart? Uh, The world headquarters of J.B. Hunt. You ever see J.B. Hunt trucks? Um, And we're also the world headquarters of uh, Tyson. If you ever eat chicken or beef, it may be Tyson. It's the largest beef and poultry producing company in the world, along with the University of Arkansas. That's called the Razorbacks. And uh, I was raised in Texas. I had to convert when I crossed the Red River. I did it willingly because Arkansas was paying my salary. Uh, And so that always helps. Um, But what all that means is, is that you need to understand every time you go to Walmart and you need to go to Walmart more, that's what that means. And every time you see a J.B. Hunt truck, you need to pray for us, and you you need to eat more chicken and learn to call the hogs, all right? And so all of that is who we are, and I have been there 29 years in the same church. That's a long time. I would have never in my life imagined that, but the Lord has done some wonderful and amazing things. A couple of years ago, I was asked to attend Um, the Walmart Shareholders Convention. It's on the campus of the University of Arkansas. And in that convention, it's quite amazing. It's nothing like a church and nothing like the Southern Baptist Convention. Because when you walk in, I was there an hour early for security reasons and already two thirds full was a room. That's not like what happens in most churches today. And when we went in, I tell you it was one of the greatest venues I've ever been in because the the energy was all over the place and it was it was contagious. I mean, people are surprised when I say this, but I told my church this when when if they would have given an invitation, I would have wanted to walk down the aisle and join Walmart. I mean, it was very, very exciting, and they have the who's who entertainers come in, and it's three hours long, and that's how long the largest company in the world operates its business. Well, we went as guest of a man named Bill Simon. Bill was the former president and CEO of Walmart U.S., which is the largest segment of Walmart. In fact, here's the great news, Danny, is that we reached out to Bill, got to know he and his wife. Tammy was already uh, engaged, but, but I developed a friendship with Bill, and just recently Bill um, declared his faith in Jesus and was baptized, and uh, he's now involved in all kinds of things. Um, but when I left that room that night, or that day, I, I went home that night, and I just jotted him an email, and I said, did I get this? I mean, this is what I witnessed, and I said, did I get that? And he said something to me, I wrote down, in fact, I want to share it with you today, because I think it's really pretty powerful. He said, oh, yes, and he quoted these words, you got it, without culture, enthusiasm, and energy, we are just another store. Those words are riveting. They're not riveting because, you know, I'm fired up about Walmart, but I thought about, is that the condition of most churches in America? What is our culture like? And what is our enthusiasm level and our energy? You realize that if the right things don't happen in the typical church and ministry of the gospel, then we're just another religion. And the Lord led me to a passage of scripture that really helped illustrate this for me just a few months ago. It's a passage I'm sure that has been preached from this seminary platform many times, but I want to focus on a segment of it. It's out of Acts chapter number 13. And so if you have a copy of God's word, in a moment I'm going to read just a word from that. I mean, the Lord did a phenomenal thing through the church at Antioch. I mean, when the Jerusalem church was persecuted, we know that Acts 8 tells us that everyone but the Apostles scattered to escape it. We know that about 300 miles from there, a band of those believers showed up in a town called Antioch, a city which was the capital city of Syria. It was a pagan city, but a very luxurious city. History tells us that it was the third largest uh, city in all of the world. And emerging from this, this city, God raised up a mighty church that literally began the missionary movement of taking the gospel to the ends of the age and to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts begins to shift its emphasis from Jerusalem all the way to Antioch and from Antioch to all of the world. Aren't you grateful for that? I mean, let me, let me put it this way. Something happened in Antioch that needs to happen in the church today. Jesus showed up. I mean, Jesus really, really showed up. I'm talking about he expressed himself in a demonstrative manner. And the Bible tells us that great power came upon that church. And it was set apart set apart from from other churches because it was a world-changing church. Are you a part of a world-changing church? Would you like to be a part of a world-changing church? The kind of church that is dynamic and on fire and energy and contagious. Well, today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about what happens in a church when Jesus comes to church. Have you ever thought about that? What happens when I mean the power of God comes on the church? Acts chapter 13, I would like to read verses one, two, and three, reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Follow me, please. It says, in the church that was at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius, the Cyrenian, Manan, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Look at verse 2. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Then, after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them. Off. What an amazing passage of Scripture, and may God be praised today. We know that according to the book of Acts, in chapter number 11, the gospel advanced to this city called Antioch. And, and I want to assure you today that when his message was proclaimed, we began to see an eruption of some things in, in the scripture in Acts 11 and beyond about this church. For example, diversity escalated. I mean, they began to reach not only Jews, but they reached Gentiles. I want to just tell us all today, in case you haven't thought about it in a while, Jesus Christ does not discriminate And Jesus Christ is committed to winning the ethnicities unto himself. I mean, leadership arose. All kind of leadership arose. Barnabas and and Saul came, and later Saul's name was changed to Paul. A distinction emerged among this church that you will hardly ever find in other churches, especially in today's world, They became so filled with Jesus. They were so much a part of the party of Jesus Christ. It was at Antioch that they first were called Christians. You remember that? And the Bible also tells us that their focus transformed. I mean, this was not an inward church. This was an outward church and they got their eyes on reaching the world. They even sent back an offering to Jerusalem that was in need. Listen, you are in a very fortunate place in your life. Perhaps you have already been here long enough that you have taken it for granted in your life, but don't take it for granted. You're in one of the greatest seminaries of the world. You're in a seminary that that has a strong reputation that you are a great commission seminary. That is powerful. In fact, you can pretty well talk to anybody in SBC Life, and that's what they're going to say about this school. Praise be to God for that. So you know about the Great Commission, but today I want to talk about a part of that commission, the energy of that commission, the power of that commission that I want to illustrate for you today. And let me say it this way, if you want your personal ministry and your local church to have the reach and the influence of the church at Antioch, it will not occur without first, the heart of the church at Antioch. The heart. I mean, you think about all the sermons you've heard on Antioch and the church. Have you heard many? talking about the heart of that church do you realize that what became true for Antioch is true for your church and my church and the church that one day you may lead or help lead and do you realize that what is true for a church or a ministry is even more true for any God-called minister of the gospel and what is that Here it is in a phrase. Deepen your walk, and God, God will expand your influence. Everybody wants the reach of Antioch, but are you willing to pay the price to have the reach of Antioch? Everyone in this room today dreams at times about how I can increase my influence for the gospel, well, not an ego deal, but I, you want to be used up, don't you? I mean, don't you want to give your best in your life? And don't you want God to really use you to impact your world for Jesus Christ? If, if you don't want that, then you better ask yourself why you're sitting in this room. So, so prayerfully, we all want that. I just want to tell you today, if we do not concentrate and focus at times on deepening our walk, then our influence will never be expanded. See, in Acts chapter 13, verses 1, 2, and 3, it speaks to the heart of the church at Antioch. And I want to highlight today two flows of this text, two two movements, if you may, of this text today. And I want to lift up the first one. I want to run through it so I can get to the second one you see when jesus comes to church i mean when his power shows up we see here in this text that a diversity of spiritual gifts and spirit-led leaders emerge are you grateful for the diversity of gifts in the church of jesus christ And are you grateful today for the various leaders that God may call and put your life under? You see, remember now, Antioch was like a first century New York City. And in this city, the world was ultimately reached and advanced had the gospel advanced. The Bible tells us in verse 1, it was in the church at Antioch. We know that the word for the New Testament, in the New Testament for the word church, is usually used in, in regard to what we would call a local setting. It reminds me that the New Testament is a collection of letters and addresses to local churches. So I want to just say this to you today because not a lot of people are going to say this, except you're going to hear it in a school like this. Do not minimize the local church. The Bible tells us they were prophets and teachers in that church. The spiritual gifts were highlighted and they were diverse. The prophets were the proclaimers of the word of God and God used them to help build the foundation of the church. So don't always simply imagine a prophet as being someone that is telling us about the future, And teachers came along, and they undergirded that foundation, and they taught upon that foundation of the Word of God. The Bible tells us that a man named Barnabas came, a prophet. The Bible says in Acts 11, listen to this, a man full of faith and a man full of the Holy Spirit. How many of you like to be a man full of faith or a woman full of faith and of the Holy Spirit? That's a pretty good description, is it not? Simeon, who is also called Niger, was possibly from North Africa. He could have been a dark-skinned man from the country of Africa. There's Lucius, who was a prophet. Some believe he may have been one of the founders of the church. There was Menaean, a teacher who was raised together with Herod Antipas. And may I remind you, he was the childhood companion then of the man who killed John the Baptist. And so evidently, if he was a childhood companion, if that would be so, he was a man who understood social standing. See the diversity? And then there was this colorful individual by the name of Saul. All he did was kill Christians. He was a murderer. He would be a man that we would look at today and despise. But thank be to God, in Acts 9, Jesus changed his life and filled him with Jesus Christ. So what we know about this church at Antioch is amazing things. They became a church that shook the world. But notice why they shook the world. They were led by the Holy Spirit. A church can't shake the world if you're not led by the Holy Spirit. And they were led by gifted men of the Spirit. Men who were men of the Spirit of God, and they were called by the Holy Spirit from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of ethnicities, and all kinds of socioeconomic classes. Isn't it amazing how oftentimes in the secular culture of America, how many people talk about how out of date the church is, and about how much the church doesn't care for all people? But when you read the New Testament, you find something completely different. Do you realize that when Jesus came to this earth, he literally put into action the largest diversity movement in the history of the world. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. People from all kinds of gifts and all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of ethnicities and socioeconomics in their past. So obviously, a diversity of gifts and spirit-led leaders emerge. But I want you to notice the second flow. And here is where I want us to concentrate today. And that is a visibility of the presence of God is evident. Oh, listen, there, there was a visibility of the presence of God here. This is the heart of the church. They, the scripture says in verse 2 and 3, these were the spiritual leaders. They were the prophets and they were the teachers, the Bible says. The Bible says they were ministering to the Lord. This ministry, what did it involve? What does that mean? Worship, service, prayer. Therefore, as they were walking with God and pursuing God with all of their heart, It was in that moment the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Maybe it's been a while since you felt the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. Maybe it's a while that God has raised up a a Bible text that has literally grabbed your heart. I wanna challenge you, you get back in the presence of God and you worship and you pray and you seek God with all of your heart and in time, you will hear the Lord. So as they were walking with God, that was the setting that God did. And they listened to God and listen, they obeyed God. The Bible says that they were not only ministering to the Lord, but they were fasting, fasting. Let's talk about that for a moment. They abstained from food with the spiritual goal of focusing on God and what God was saying to them. And that's what fasting is. It, is. it is abstaining from food with a spiritual goal in their mind. I mean, that means that they were concentrating fully and focused completely on God himself. You see, when people fast and pray, it comes from an urgency in their life, a restlessness in their life, that they they need direction, they need wisdom, they need more. It's interesting when you look at this text, God called spiritual leaders. And notice what these people were. They were intimate with their relationship with God. They were passionate and they were urgent. And I want to tell you today, that's exactly the kind of spiritual leaders we need all over the world today. We need spiritual leaders that are walking with God intimately, passionately, and urgently. And this is why we should fast and pray. It's important that we do not neglect that discipline in our lives. The Bible says that when these leaders did this, listen to this, the visible presence of God was manifested to the church. How was that? Well, as they prayed and they fasted, God moved on them, and the scripture says, notice it in, 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 uh, in, in the verse, verse number two, they set apart, that means that they appointed, they appointed for the specific purpose, Barnabas and Saul, and notice what they did, for the work that God had called them. In fact, the scripture says, he purposed for them to do it, and to do it specifically, You see, that's what we want. We want in our lives a a complete trust in the sovereignty of God that I am where I am and God has put me there. And nothing is more dynamic. It doesn't matter how miserable you may be in your life today or one day, God has put you there. And it was in the stream of praying, in the stream of fasting in the stream of ministering to the Lord that they laid hands on them. They affirm what God was doing in their life and affirm what God had called them to do in their life. And the Bible says they sent them off. The local church sent them off as the spirit-led team for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it's important today that we remember this. The same gospel that saves you is the same gospel that sends you. We need to remember that. And we also need to remember this because it's so evident here in Antioch. Healthy churches send, and growing churches, or growing Christians go. That is so important we remember that. Healthy churches sinned and growing Christians, they go. It would be interesting to see out of the 51,000 churches and congregations in the Southern Baptist Convention, how many of our churches have had men or women be called from the pews of their churches, from the chairs in their churches and sent by the church to do the work of the ministry? Is it 5%, is it 1%, is it 20%? I really don't know, but I can tell you this, according to scripture, healthy churches sin, and you know what? When you're a growing Christian, you're willing to go. Not just to go to Bangladesh, but to go to Bangs, Texas, if that's where God wants you to go. You say, where's Bangs, Texas? It's in Texas. You gotta find it. It's over there by Brownwood. You know where that is? No. It's in Texas. See, we need to understand it's not about where we end up. It's about obeying God and going in the power of the Holy Spirit, amen? You see, the heart of Acts chapter 13, verses one, two, and three is the heart of the matter. It is the heart of that entire chapter. Jesus was on this church. And, and listen today, we need Jesus and we need the power of God upon the church. I have traveled this country all over in my life, and I've really traveled it extensively in the last 21 months of my life. Just an observation I call it a sad reality because it is sad. We have way too many pastors and churches that are content to do ministry without the power of God. Did you hear that? We have way too many pastors, way too many churches that are content to do ministry without the power of God. Let, let me ask those of you on the back row or close to it, those of us here on the front today, those of you that are watching online or listening to this on podcast like I do many times as I run and jog, are you content with doing ministry without the power of God? Hey, listen, ministry can become a rut No one intended to let it become a uh, a rut but it can become a rut. I mean, Pastor Mike Glenn, I heard his message the other morning when I was running throughout Northwest Arkansas and, and, and I heard what he said on Tuesday to you. If you were here, it's worth hearing. If you were not here, I mean, things can get really low and change in ministry. We need the power of God. We have our churches that are caught up in all kinds of things, but are we caught up in the power of God? I mean, when people hear you preach, when the people hear you sing, when people see you walk and the way you live, do they sense the power of God on your life? I mean, do they sense that God's hand is on you? The Lord was on him. That was the heart of Antioch. It was, they were distinguished by the power of God. You remember what Moses said? Moses told, told the Lord, hey, I'll go where you want me to go, but I'm not going forward if you're not on me. I'm not going. There are way too many of us. We're too content to go elsewhere without having him on us. Hey, charisma's nice if you have it. Many don't. A smile is nice if you, if you have one, if you ever try it. But they only go about this far. It's God and his power that penetrates cultures and can turn the deadest church in America upside down. It's not always about the clothes we wear, the songs we sing. It's about one thing, who Jesus is and what he's about and what he's doing in the church of the Lord. Here, the power came when they fasted and prayed. I fasted and prayed, goodness, since I was a college student. Don't know really why I did. I never heard anyone preach on it. But I just read the Bible. When you read the Bible, they did it. I looked it up, so I started it in my life. 1995 became a very definable moment for me. The Lord led me to fast and pray for 40 days for this country. And I did. And by the power of God, those are 40 days that I will tell you that they changed my life. And there have been constant times in my life where I have, I have drawn aside and I've sought the Lord, whether it's a day or whether it's three days or 10 days or, or more, 21 days or more. I've led my church through those moments. And I'll tell you why we do, because there's something about it that, that literally wrecks everything in your life, and you become desperate, and you want to hear God, and you are cleansing yourself and all that, and finally, the Lord speaks. I'm reminded of what David said, Psalm 35, 13. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer was genuine. 1995, God spoke to me powerfully one early morning in the midst of that fast. It's about day 30-something, and I remember it was a Saturday night, Danny. I couldn't go to sleep, which is a horrible thing for it happening in the life of a pastor. And finally, I don't know, it was about 1 or 2 in the morning, I just gave up. So, said, okay, God, you're, you're going to say something to me because this never happens to me. I remember getting out on the floor of our living room and God leading me to the Word, and he told me these words through his Word. The biggest problem in your church and the biggest problem in your ministry is you. You're filled with pride. And I sense the Holy Spirit. Have you ever sensed God put something in your heart? And and, and I sense that he put in my heart this phrase. When pride walks on the platform, God walks off see, God is attracted to humility. He's attracted to us humbling ourselves before the Lord. The Bible is so full of it. First Peter chapter five, verse six, humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Matthew six, Jesus said what? When you pray, when you give, when you fast. Just an observation. We talk a lot more about sending and going, but very little about fasting and prayer. Now I want to remind all of you today, Jesus fasted. Is that enough? Elijah fasted, Moses fasted, Daniel fasted, Anna fasted, Paul fasted, the people of God fasted, the early church fasted. I mean, listen, here it is. And, and this is what I want us to hear today. We cannot have the power and the reach of the church at Antioch without the depth they practiced in fasting and prayer. I close with this, one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible is over there in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. You remember Jesus had just taken Peter, James, and John up on the mountain transfiguration. They wanted to build temples up there, tabernacles up there so they could all just hang out with Jesus forever and ever. Jesus said, no, we're gonna go down. When they went down, there was a man to walk up to Jesus, said, hey, Jesus, my son, he's got a problem. He's had a problem since birth, and and I asked your disciples to drive it out the other nine, and they couldn't drive it out. And he said, so if you can, would you? Jesus, what are you talking about if I can? All things are possible in God. Nothing is impossible with him. And the Bible says that Jesus literally delivered that man, that boy, from his demon. His life was transformed. His disciples probably walked around with their mouth open. It's interesting to me that they waited until they were with Jesus privately. And they asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? And you know what Jesus told them? Powerful verse, Mark nine, verse 29. And he told them this kind, this kind of what? This kind of faith, this kind of miracle, this kind of work of God comes out only by fasting and by prayer, by prayer and by fasting. I ask you today, if you want God to use you in the highest level There are moments in your life, prayerfully every day in your time with God, but there's also moments in your life where you extend yourself in whatever level and you concentrate on deepening your walk. Deepen your walk and God will expand your influence. Father, I pray today that you will take these students and these faculty members and leaders of this school. And I pray, God, that you would empower them. I thank you that this, the hand of God is on this school. And I pray that you would just continue to stay your hand on it. And I pray that every one of us today will hear what God wants us to say or what he wants us to hear through what you've spoken to us about today, from the power of your word, for we offer it in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We cover your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for his glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.